welcome to the second episode of Bitch Pop. I'm your host. My name is Jessica, um, and today I have joining me, joining me from Bitch Team Alpha, Katie Treggs. Hi. Um, and Leanne, my friend from class. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> sure. So today we're going to talk about uh, the book You Should Have Known by Jean Corlitz. Um And if we have time, we'll also talk about a book called Ghost Planet, um, which is by Sharon Lynn Fisher. So first, um, Katie hasn't read that You Should Have Known, so she's going to hang out, but hopefully she'll still have things that she can talk about while we oh, do yeah. this one. I, I talk about stuff I don't know anything about all the time, so <laughs> Good. it'll be fine. It'll be right up my alley. <laughs> You're perfect for the internet, because I feel like that's what all the internet is. <laughs> and that's why we're all here. Because <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to assume that everybody wants to hear my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today they do. Today they do. <laughs> um, so first, let's talk about You Should Have Known. Um, so before we get into talking about it, I just want to read the um, synopsis from the book jacket. So it says, Grace Reinhardt Sachs is living the only life she ever wanted for herself. Devoted to her husband, a pediatric oncologist at a major cancer hospital, their young son, Henry, and the patient she sees in her therapy practice. I read that sentence really weird. <laughs> No, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, Grace is also the author of You Should Have Known, a book in which she castigates women for not valuing their intuition and calls upon them to examine their first impressions of men for signs of serious trouble later on. But weeks before the book is published, a chasm opens in her own life, a violent death, a missing husband, and, in the place of a man Grace thought she knew, only a chain of terrible revelations. Left behind in the wake of a spreading and very public disaster and horrified by the ways in which she has failed to heed her own advice, Grace must dismantle one life and create another for her child and herself. So yes, her son's name is Henry, since we were just talking about that. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. So I guess first let's just start with, what did you think about it, Leanne? What did you think about the book? Um, well, honestly... I had a really hard time with Grace, the main character, and um, I know you know because we got to interview the editor in our class together that partially I think that was intentional, that you were not supposed to necessarily like Grace, but I still felt like it was one more book in the world that really talked about like privileged people's problems <laughs> and that's one thing that really bothered me the whole time was Grace's reflections on her very privileged life and how she thought it was so hard um and I don't really know that that changed by the end which I guess would be my major argument like if a character is going to feel that way at the beginning of a book I feel like the book could then reveal how wrong they are and still be fun to read but for me personally, I was just so sick of her constant complaining that never really opened her eyes by the end, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with that. And on Grace being an unlikable character, because I definitely agree with you. Um, and I also do think that it was intentional. Um, and partially, actually, because of what you were talking about, where she was this very privileged woman talking about how she's going without all of these things, even though she has... <laughs> like this amazing apartment in New York and her son goes to this really extensive private school and her husband is crazy rich and she makes a lot of money, 
but she doesn't make as much money as the <laughs> other ridiculously wealthy people that she knows. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I think the first 100 pages of the book was pretty much just her thinking about how, how not privileged she is, even though she so totally was privileged. And that yeah. definitely bothered me too. And I, and I think that's also where I decided in that first 100 pages, because that's all it was, was just her complaining when she really had nothing to complain about that she was definitely meant to be an unlikable character. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that, like, books have done that. They've made the protagonist very unlikable, but because the story was so compelling, I was still interested. Like, I still wanted to read and know what happened and see how they changed, like you said. And none of that happened with her. She was just very unlikable all the way through, and I feel like she didn't really develop as a character. Um, and part of the problem is because you're right, like, she didn't learn anything. By the end, she still was like, oh, look at how much less money I have than these other rich people. And here are all the things that I still think about that are just completely wrong. So that's the other thing that I want to talk about because I'm kind of getting into it. (laughs) It was actually Grace's book. So this book is called You Should Have Known. And in this novel, the character Grace has written a book called You Should Have Known. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you guys, so it's supposed to be more like a suspense, right? It's not like a romance Mm -hmm. book. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. It's definitely like kind of psychological suspense mystery thriller. I don't know. That's a lot of work. <laughs> I like that you said that with a question in your voice because I was definitely questioning the categorization of this novel the entire time I was reading it. Because at no point did I feel like there was something where I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? There was no suspense in the suspense novel. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You right, because know so much as a reader, I think that Grace doesn't know that the suspense comes from the frustration of wanting her to figure it out and how blind she is, like moment after moment in the book. That's what really bothered me, actually. I wanted that major revelation to hit her and all those privileges to kind of be torn down. But mm-hmm. I still felt like even when she found out all that she proceeded to find out, you know she really just felt like so more and more sorry for herself and still not believing that it was true. And I was like, really, you need to have a realization at some point, you know? Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, there was a lot in it where like, even, I don't think it actually straight up says in the jacket copy, but kind of reading between the lines, it's clear that like what happens is there's a violent murder and her husband is the murderer. Mm-hmm. Like that's and that not, she that's should not have known that. <laughs> Right, exactly. (laughs) And that she should have known. And that's, so like, that's something that you get, like, kind of right off the bat, you know, like, Grace's husband is a murderer, and now she has this book coming out called You Should Have Known, telling women, even in the jacket copy it says, castigating women, telling them, like, trust your intuition, because you will see all of the signs of him being a terrible person later on, and you're just going to ignore them. That's what her book was about. And she doesn't see that. And that's another thing that really bothered me about this novel is how much of it was just straight up victim blaming. Mm -hmm. I remember you mentioning that in class and I don't want to take the words from your mouth, but I, I really agree that her whole point of her book was to say, it's your own fault for not realizing that your significant other is violent or, you know, a cheater or emotionally abusive. And to me, that is the exact opposite of the, what you want to promote in Mm -hmm. literature, you know, and what I like to read about is 
that's something that's been in the mentality of society for so long, and it's time to overcome that, you know? Definitely, and it's also not true. Like, there's no way for you to know yeah. at the beginning of a relationship that, you're, that turns out your husband is a crazy murderer. <laughs> you should have known. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of, like, one thing I struggled with was what clues did she get at the beginning of her relationship with him that if you adhere to her philosophy, which is that she should have known, what was there for her to draw from? And really what we get is that when she started dating him, her really good friend stopped being her friend. Mm-hmm. But, and then also he didn't have a good family life, so he never brought her home to his family. And then you find out it's because they're good people and um, he's the crazy one. But, I mean, yeah. I feel like even by her own philosophy, what? how can you expect a person that weight to fall on them? Like, oh, best friend doesn't want to be my friend after I date him. Therefore, he's a murderer. I mean, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So is that actually kind of the takeaway that um, she actually should have known? Like that it's not, because I guess it would kind of make sense if she was this person who really honestly believed that you should always be able to tell and then she finds out, no, you can't always tell, and she was wrong. But no, the actual point was she totally should have known. And yeah, and that was one of my biggest you. problems. Yeah, that was one of my biggest problems with the book because I agree with you. If the takeaway had been no, there really is no way to know, then that would have been great with me. I would have been like, yeah, you're right. There is no way to know. There's just you can't tell that kind of thing. But it ended up being, like, even at the end, she was still thinking, like, wow, how could I have seen this coming? You know, like, what could I have done differently so, like, could have seen this coming? Mm. She was still, in a big way, blaming herself because she was still holding that philosophy of, yeah, that, like, I should have known. I should have seen the signs. And that's kind of how other people were treating her, too, is because she... So she is a therapist. She's a, a couples therapist. And that, like, once this whole thing happens with her husband, she leaves town and, like, cancels a bunch of her appointments. And then she gets, like, this, all of these crazy emails about, like, oh, you're such a fraud and all this stuff because other people think, too, that she should have known because that's her whole thing is that she should have known. <laughs> and that's, that ends up being the takeaway message is, yeah, are you dating – like a crazy person, you should have known. This is on <laughs> you for not realizing how crazy the person you're with is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I didn't read any reviews of it outside of our class, but I heard that it's doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, I just try to think it's interesting, like what makes it so appealing to like the average woman or reader, I guess, in general. I mean... Because I just think about that all the time when a popular book comes out, you know, like what about it makes everyone want to read it? And I don't know. What do you think about that, Jessica? Um, I wonder if maybe part of it is just that it's marketed as a thriller or suspense, and that's one of the more popular genres of novel. So maybe people just see that and buy it and think, yeah, I'll like it because it's, or maybe they don't automatically assume they'll like it, but they hope that they will because it's in the genre that they like. Mm -hmm. Um, But even that, like, it's not a thriller or a suspense. It's just like, hey, this woman's husband is crazy, and now let's find out more. (laughs) 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 That we should have found out so much sooner. Yeah. 
Like in that first hundred pages where it was just her complaining about how she's not as rich as other people and telling people that they should have known. (laughs) Yeah, and there are still problems for me throughout the rest of the book in her privilege, like how she sees herself and Mm -hmm. kind of her snobbishness. I don't think that ever goes away. And that was one of the things I really wanted to see her learn from. You know, like in a person in her situation, I thought maybe compassion would be one of the things she would learn as a character growth moment, you know, but yeah, like the fiddle versus the violin. She is so snobbish about those things. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, I don't know. You're right. I had forgotten about the fiddle violin thing, and also like how upset she got when Henry told her that she didn't that he didn't really want to play the violin, and then she was all like, "Oh, like I played an instrument." And the way she treats it is like all wealthy children play an instrument, and so you have to play an instrument. (laughs) And that part actually really bothered me. That one scene in the taxi when she and Henry are discussing it. I think it's Mm -hmm. yeah. Because um, it's sort of like a hint that Jonathan is not who she thinks he is. Because um, Henry says, like, well, I talked to dad and he said it would be fine. You know, do what I want. Don't keep going if I don't want to. And that really shocks her to her core, I think, that Mm -hmm. she's like, how could he have said that without consulting me? And also, don't we have the same values that you should be, like, playing this violin at the high extremely prestigious level you know like and I just I mean to me that made me feel more sympathy for Jonathan at the beginning like he seems able to listen to his son and mm-hmm. get over the whole violin thing you know but <laughs> later in the book you're supposed to think of it as like oh she should have known her husband doesn't agree with her about violin lessons <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, he didn't agree with her on that. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously, obviously he's a serial killer. Muffins are like the one hundred percent accurate way to tell if you're secretly dating a crazy person. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> get my husband in here. Ask him. <laughs> so you guys, I guess um, this has a three point four out of five on Goodreads. Wow. Um, and I just read a bunch of reviews that were like, I liked it very much. This was so good. It's a compelling portrait of a psychotherapist and her family. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, so people enjoy it. I mean, it's certainly a portrait of a psychotherapist <laughs> and her family. Compelling. Yeah, but <laughs> I feel like to earn that word, you have to have done something outside of the stereotype, you know, and mm-hmm. this book was just rife with stereotypes, I thought, like, Mm-hmm. I mean, even her son and how he like gets out into this the Connecticut versus New York City and he suddenly makes friends and loves anime and stuff like that. <laughs> like, My son is a whole different person. <laughs> and even Grace's parents were very stereotypical rich parents with the mm-hmm. dad who was kind of I mean, odd and kind of distant, and then the stepmother, who she had a very strained relationship with. Like, it was all, you're right, it was absolutely just stereotype after stereotype. So then, and something else that I wanted to talk about in this book in general, we're just, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about Grace and the story, but I want to talk about just 
the women, the female characters in general in this book. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question for you is, could you, could you name any one character that you would consider a strong character? Any one female character that you would consider strong? Hmm. Or male. I mean, really, it's not a double standard <laughs> if there's just no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, hmm, that's a really good question. I don't think there was enough time on screen for her friend. I mean, on screen. For Vera. Yeah, her, her best friend, Vera. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, I guess by the end of the book, we're supposed to see her as that kind of foil to Grace, where a strong-willed woman who knows her own mind, because that's why she just cut off their friendship that long ago, you know, that mm -hmm. she was able to say, nope, I'm not dealing with this, and just made that decision, but... I mean, I really felt like she was a stereotype, too, because when we finally meet her, she's like, again, the opposite of Grace, where she's got this small town, you know, psychological practice, and she's mm -hmm. very hippie-esque and um, uh, laid back where Grace is uptight. And I just thought, you know, she could have had so much more depth as a character besides just serving as the opposite of what Grace was. I agree. And that's, I'm the same way where if I had to name one strong female character, I would choose Vera, but I don't think that she is really strong all the way through. And I think part of my problem with her comes from um, once they do, once Grace and Vera do reconnect, one of the first things Vera says is, hey, like, remember when we stopped being friends after you started dating him? that's because I had a bad feeling about him and I didn't want to say anything. And now I realize I should have said something where she's getting into that. You should have known mentality and is like, I should have known and I should have said something, but I didn't. And so yeah. immediately like for this thing that she had absolutely no control over starts blaming herself for Grace's terrible relationship because she knew them way back when. And that, I, I don't know if that one part is enough to, like, ruin the character for me, but I definitely feel like that section makes her a weaker character. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think that whole conversation was a little bit forced mm -hmm. in that they're, like, resolving all the issues of the past 12 years, I think, or more, mm -hmm. in one conversation after they reunite. And I just do not yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> It just seems so easy that things start to fall into Grace's lap after she really leaves New York City and decides, okay, I'm done. I need to leave from this relationship and start over. And then it's like just that one easy decision, things start going really well. Like her neighbor happens to be this fiddler guy who likes her and sudden romance after 12 years in a marriage to a psychopathic killer. Like the <laughs> is really good on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it should have been more that she had to work for a little bit because not because of you should have known like it was her fault, but just as a character at the beginning, I felt like she worked for so little, you know, that by this, by the end of the book, I just thought she should have had more happen to her, I guess. Take more action. I think she never like took agency in the book and that's what really bothered me. I agree. And one thing that you mentioned, um, you mentioned that like once she made the decision to leave New York, things just kind of started to fall in her lap. And that's actually also how I felt before she left New York, except with all of the bad things. 
So all of these bad things just kept pouring over grace, and it seemed like there was no real reason for it. Where I get that, like, there has to be conflict in a book, and I'm not upset that there was conflict, because that would be ridiculous. I'm upset that, like, everything bad that happened to Grace seemed to happen to her for no other reason than because she was overly confident. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, all of this stuff suddenly started happening, like, so first of all, she has this practice, she has this couples therapy practice where she is 100% confident in her practice, she's confident in her, like, theory, in the idea that, like, people can tell about other people, that they have these intuitions, um, she's confident in herself as a mother, as a wife, as, like, a member of her community, um, in some ways, of course, there's the aspect of her feeling like she's not rich enough, but she also feels very, like, she, she seems to, like, condescend to a lot of the other people in her group because she feels like she's smarter than them and all this other kind of stuff. So she's just this very, like, overly confident person, and then absolutely everything that she had any kind of confidence in absolutely falls apart. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. To look at it that way like it's almost the opposite of what you would hope to happen like if you read the book backwards <laughs> start out with all these privileged ideas about herself and then gain confidence through the conflicts that she goes through and you know learning from her mistakes but mm-hmm. it's, it's like she's being punished at the beginning for being that confident person and I don't know I also had some issues with Magda the woman mm-hmm who is kind of, well, I don't, can we give away certain major plot points? I, <laughs> I already have. <laughs> sure. I'll, when I edit this podcast, I'll put at the beginning that there are spoilers. So yeah, you can go ahead and say. <laughs> okay, okay. So Magda is the murder victim and she's been having an affair with Grace's husband, Jonathan, and she's mm-hmm. pregnant. You find out with his child and that's sort of what sparks the murder is that, He's trying to silence her because she was going to tell Grace everything. And because she had already had a child with Jonathan before. Oh, yeah. Right? She has she has her older son and then a baby, and she's pregnant again. And we realize that the baby is Jonathan. Oh, right. That's and right. she's also pregnant again by Jonathan. Yeah. You're right. I forgot about the other baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> forget. But, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just thought the portrayal of her was another stereotype that mm-hmm. was, like, I mean, because um, she's Hispanic. I think what country yeah. is she from originally? I, I don't remember actually. I don't know if they actually said. Yeah. It's just that like the use of her being a woman of color is so sexualized in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, because she lives in this privileged world of mostly white women, she does stand out, I think, but mm-hmm. it's not used in a way that's like, look at why that's a bad thing, you know? It's more like all the men of all other women's husbands, like, flock to her because they're yeah. so attracted to her beautiful brown skin, you know? And it's, like, so messed up that that's never treated like a... You know, it's never critiqued, I don't think, in the writing. It's actually just upheld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Magda's absolutely treated as a sort of, like, exotic trophy sort of thing where you're right. Like, at that one party, all of the men just are suddenly all over her and flirting with her. And mm-hmm. and I think even Grace herself it says something about 
like how they just think that she's exotic or, you know, thinks that they only like her because she's so unusual or like something that's yeah. very just bad. <laughs> yeah. Super racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and never addressed again. Like Grace never, that's so much of what goes into her head where she's like, Oh, I'm rich and I have everything, but I'm not quite super rich. Therefore my life is horrible. It's mm-hmm. goes along with that, that I don't see her ever addressing those, you know, sentiments or prejudices. Yeah. Or even <laughs> sorry for Magda. I mean, like, there's really not a lot of that in the book, I don't think. You're right. There's even, I think she even at one point, like, someone asked her about it, and she wonders, like, why they care what she thinks because she barely knew her. And then she thinks to herself that because she barely knew her, she can't really feel sorry for her for, like, having been murdered. And then even when she finds out that it was her husband who did it, she still, all she does is think about herself and, like, and Jonathan and what she could have done differently and does not for one for one moment, stop to be like, oh, my God, Magda, that poor woman. Yeah. Like, constantly, her only thing from then on is like, ah, my husband and me and all of these things. Yeah. He's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really is. And I think when we were talking about this book in class, someone brought up, um, someone compared it to a book, and I can't remember what that book was now, but talked about it being a social commentary like, as if this book were satire, and I would love for it to actually have been satire this whole time, (laughs) because that would make me feel so much better about just the terrible portrayals of absolutely everyone in it. (laughs) That's true. If it were, that would be genius, because it's absolutely so good. (laughs) What do you think the odds are of that? Like, one to ten, based on what you read, do you think it's, like, clever enough to I see. I actually had moments where I was like, "Is this for real?" Or, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I really think it is, and I think it's because a lot of the book, I think, was unnecessary internal monologue that Grace had. Yeah, one of the reviews I just read was like the unique style of stream of consciousness narration or something like that. You'll be in the middle of a conversation where you're like, finally, she's going to like get over her denial. She's going to force herself to address some things, but it pauses literally mid conversation. And then there will be like four pages of her reminiscing on her relationship with Jonathan. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, split. You know? like, <laughs> I don't care about your trip to the lake or whatever. You know, I'm just, oh my my gosh yeah so I to answer your question Katie I would say the odds are not great of it actually being a social commentary (laughs) because I agree with Leanne that there are definitely a few parts where I read them and I was like there's no way this is a real thing like there's no way an author put this into the world thinking yes this will go over positively with readers (laughs) But, I mean, plainly, it did go over positively with readers, and I I don't think that it was meant to be a social comment. I don't think it was meant to be satire. I think it was just a book that I am really, really upset about. (laughs) I gotcha. Well, I I bought it. I'm going to read it 
from that lens and I'll let you know how long <laughs> I can keep that going. Yeah, commentary. in my mind, I'm just going to, she's just going to sound really sarcastic all the time. <laughs> just, it's like, I oh actually, yeah, you totally should have known your husband was a murderer. <laughs> oh, totally. Really interesting. We'll have to, like in the next episode of Bitch Pop that I host, I'll have to check in with you to see, <laughs> like if that made it a better read. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> Looking back, if I just pretend that it was that, I already like the book so much more. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> That's a good outcome. <laughs> yeah, if it's social commentary, then so much of it is way, way better. Because then you get this, because then suddenly, like, that first 100 pages of just her talking about how, how not quite as privileged she is, mm-hmm. is just like, this is the way that, like, super privileged people think, and look at how bad it is. Yeah. And, like, the over-sexualization of Magda would be a really good, like, commentary on how people over-sexualize people of color. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, my gosh, this book, see, suddenly this book is absolutely <laughs> profound if it's a social commentary. Every facet of life. lens, it's so good. <laughs> The author is like the Stephen Colbert of genre suspense or something. I like that idea. Okay, so one other thing, the last thing um, that I specifically had to talk about for You Should Have Known that I would kind of like to try to use to segue into Ghost Planet if we can um, is the ending. So, Leanne, you mentioned it earlier that at the end, like, she moves out to Connecticut, and then luckily there's this attractive and laid-back, interesting neighbor who she knew a long time ago and who she's reconnecting with and who has been in love with her since she was, like, 14 or whatever. How convenient that after this 12-year marriage that turns out was to a sociopath, there's this perfect guy right here. Yeah. (laughs) And so one thing that I wanted to talk about was how it seems like that's kind of like the default happy ending to, to novels with female protagonists seems to be a relationship. Ooh, yeah. Like it seems like the end goal of all novels with female characters is like by the end of this arc, I need to have a man. And I need pregnant. to ideally yep, and pregnant. Yep. Have a man. Number two, pregnant. Those are the two. <laughs> how you yeah, know you're doing well in the world. Like, <laughs> now it's complete yeah exactly so well I guess now that I've already said how I feel about that ending what did you think of the ending Leanne um well I agree with you I just thought it was way too sudden I mean like Hmm. the whole for me a much more satisfying ending would have been seeing Grace finally able to move on on her own and appreciate what she had you know in comparison to how she was at the beginning where she had so much and didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I could have seen it leaving me with a better taste in my mouth if she had <laughs> like, come to terms with how her life had been and then realized that she could be happy with so much less, I guess. And instead, it was not like that. Even when she does get the man at the mm-hmm. end, super abrupt fashion, she still kind of treats him with her snobbish New York ways, I think, where she's like, well, this guy is here. He really likes me. He seems like a good guy. He's definitely not a crazy killer. But, you know, he's also 
I just think she treats him a little bit condescending in the way that she's like, oh, this might be just what I need. Like someone who's down to earth and plays so the So he was fiddle. not a killer, we know. <laughs> we know for sure. We don't know for sure I because mean, it's the beginning. If it's successful, well, she's going to want to make a sequel. <laughs> what, is there a better way to do a sequel than you should have known again? Like, <laughs> How did you not learn? <laughs> I, when I go back and edit this podcast, I'm going to count how many times we say you should have known. <laughs> it's mostly me. It's the one thing I know about the book, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure there was a sentence earlier in this podcast where I said, like, the phrase should have known four different times. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I will say I, I like, I, okay. I love to have a little bit of a romantic subplot in the books that I read, but I like it if it's, you know, if it intermingles with a much more important personal journey for the female protagonist. And I've mm-hmm. read books where it's done really well, you know, where it's not the most important thing. And just because I love like the personal relationships in books, I guess. So not just between um, like romantically, but I love friendships between the female characters. And, you know, that's one thing that I really think was missing from this book was Definitely. that there are really not a lot of other people in Grace's life, except her husband. And then at the end, it's her, hu- it's her new guy and her son. And I just, you know, I guess I'm saying that I think in this book it was rushed and definitely unnecessary, but I do say that as a person who has read, who likes, you know, a satisfying romantic relationship when it's well written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely I, when it's well written, I, I don't have a problem with a good romantic relationship. Um, and that's actually, let's use that to segue into ghost planet. Yeah. I guess call. Uh, <laughs> so Leanne, again, if you want to hang around um, for Ghost Planet, I know you haven't read it, then please feel welcome to. But if you feel like you'd rather not, that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious now, so I'd yeah. love to hear. Okay, no, you should definitely. Try. I can add some context to this. In that, so we uh, Felicia Day. I don't know if you know who that is, but oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so she has a YouTube show called Vaginal Fantasy, and it's a book club where every mm-hmm. month they read a romance novel. And so last summer, Jessica and I were trying to start a section of it in Reno. And so the first thing we read was Ghost Planet. And that's just because that's how it all lined up. And so mm-hmm. the the plot of this book is it's supposed to be kind of sci-fi romance. Uh, psychologist Elizabeth Cole. I just pulled up the thing. I'm not going to read all of it, though, because it's really long. But um, basically, she goes to this weird planet that humans have discovered where as soon as you arrive, you get something called a ghost, which is basically an alien that takes the form of somebody you know who's died. Wow. And they just kind of they just kind of follow you around. And the, the solution that the people who have inhabited this planet have come up with for this is they just ignore the ghost completely. And then eventually the ghost just kind of like gets beaten down a little bit and it just kind of doesn't really try to talk to you anymore. It kind of just follows you and, and you don't really interact with it at all. Um, but anyway, she goes and I guess like kind of the not really twist cause it happens really fast. 
but her, yeah, it's like the first, it's the like first the chapter. First, it feels like it would be such a great twist, but it's not. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I'll just say it. Um, she, her ship crashes on the way to the planet and she dies. So she arrives and she thinks that she's there to like help study and be an intern and stuff. And actually, um, she's this guy's ghost and it's this guy who she kind of barely met when she was on earth. And, um, throughout the course of the book, then they fall in love. And it's about that is that, um, about the planet and, uh, and how they end up together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's actually, yeah, that's really intriguing. I'm excited for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds really intriguing and I was really excited to read this book. And I also wanted so badly to like this book because mm. it has such a cool concept. Like mm-hmm. I really like the idea of the ghost thing of like this planet where all this is going on. But, like, right away, and I think this starts almost immediately. So the main character, Elizabeth, is really, she's brilliant. She's a really good doctor. Mm -hmm. She has all these great ideas. But, like, seriously, as soon as Murphy, which is the guy's name, as soon as he steps into the room, suddenly she's an idiot. And she has no good ideas. And she doesn't know what's happening. And she doesn't understand how to do anything ever in her life as soon as he's in the room. And uh-huh. that's, I mean, so I, I definitely, <laughs> I actually liked this book when we, when we read it. I mean, the things that I didn't like about it, though, were the things that kind of happen in a lot of romance novels, because it is a romance mm-hmm. novel. And so it was that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it's like, oh, here's this absolutely perfect guy in every way, and they're in love right away, even though there's nothing really, I don't know, I don't know. Um, there's kind <laughs> of a struggle, but there's not enough that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for these guys. Like, they've been through a lot together now. Uh, mm-hmm. and she does, she kind of becomes an idiot. She kind of does stuff that you wouldn't really think to do, especially after they fall in love. Cause I think what, yeah. the part that I really liked is when, before the romance started, when she first found out that she was his ghost and he started just ignoring her, which is what you're supposed to do. And so she was doing stuff that I was like, yeah, that's totally what I would do. She was like trash, trash in his computer and stuff. She was like, yeah, you're going to ignore me? Like ignore this <laughs> motherfucker. And like, that was pretty cool. That was great. And then at that, that one point, um, his ex came over with her ghost, which is a guy. Yeah. And so like Elizabeth and that male ghost ended up having their own dinner and she yeah. just like walked up to the table and stole some of their food and like took their bottle of wine and was like, they're not going to do anything. They're not allowed to talk to us. <laughs> like they, they refused to acknowledge us. So now we get this nice ass dinner with no work because they're just not going to say anything. Yep. <laughs> You're right. I, I absolutely loved that part. That whole that, part was awesome. Sorry. And that was mm-hmm. the attitude that I wanted Elizabeth to keep having yeah. throughout the entire story. Yeah. Sorry, Leanne, what did you say? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I so fine. she knows really early on that she is his ghost. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's like, a period where they don't know. It's, like, um, when she first gets there, because he was supposed to be her advisor or whatever anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he's like, she first gets there, and uh, he just meets her at the train station like he normally would, and they meet and they talk. And then they go to this building, and they have this weird tool to, like, detect ghosts or something for some reason like only ghosts are allowed through this one door and she can't go through the door and then they find out that yeah she's a ghost Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean like that part's pretty cool um but they did in the book jacket i'm pretty sure reveal that she was a ghost so it wasn't like shocking you kind of knew it was gonna happen pretty soon but um 
But a good, I mean, a, there were a lot of good, like, twists when you didn't know who was a ghost and who wasn't a ghost. And every once in a while she would meet somebody and be like, oh, is it a ghost? Is it not a ghost? And that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. That's true. That part was really cool. The, like, the mystery of not knowing if some people were or weren't yeah. ghosts. It was a great premise for a book, for sure. It was it was really interesting. And like I said, I actually, I, I did like it when I read it, but it did just, it fell flat because of those things. Because she who was a pretty likable character at first became mm-hmm. like really clueless and, and weird about stuff. And there were a couple times where she just straight up did dumb things because she was in love and she wanted to be with Murphy. And um, yeah, it was kind of odd. Yeah. And the whole and that, like multiple times he, he like ties her up to things to keep her from going and fighting. Like he does mm-hmm. like the stupid hero thing that happens and it's a very Edward Cullen thing to do, I guess that you're like, <laughs> no, even though you've been fighting and you know how to use a gun and you're more capable at this than me, I'm going to handcuff you to a radiator <laughs> so that you can't come with me to the battle. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I'm going to do it again later <laughs> because, because I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All of that was really, really terrible. <laughs> That's so disappointing when yeah. there's so much good about it and then that happens. And mm-hmm. it, I feel like it's falling back into, I mean, just from the sound of it, like I, it's falling back on the tropes that are everywhere in romance novels yeah. that, mm-hmm. that could be easily avoided and still be a good romance novel, you mm-hmm. know, and still appeal to your average reader of romance novels. Like, yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah, because I think, like, actually right after I read Ghost Planet, I read one called Succubus Blues, which still had some of the same issues, but the the main love interest was this kind of, like, goofy, adorable guy who was her friend, and she was, like, protecting him a lot, like, because obviously she had superpowers and he didn't, and so there were a lot of situations where she was like, you, you stay over there, I'm going to protect you, and it was very logical, it made a lot of sense that it was like that. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to read a book that it was kind of the opposite of Elizabeth and Murphy, where Murphy was just this perfect human man who never did anything wrong, except for when he was being semi-abusive <laughs> by tying her to a radiator. <laughs> to to yeah. read a book where it was like, no, it's a normal guy who's like pretty charming in his own way, but he's not perfect. He's not, you know, Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I didn't have another thing to say after perfect. I think Irish works. It's not Irish. We don't need all men to be Irish. So true. <laughs> Although it wouldn't be a bad thing. Novels is not proportionate to the reality. <laughs> Really, I mean, how many men in the world have an Irish accent and then the romance novel world? Like, way yeah. more. Like, way yeah. more yeah. Irish Significantly more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, so something that I want to talk about with um, Ghost Planet that also was a big problem for me and you should have known was the ending. So, well, first, so first of all, here are some spoilers. So, Leanne, I hope you don't mind these spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so, at one point, Elizabeth and Murphy get captured by this doctor, by the scientist who wants to, like, experiment on the ghosts and see how she can, like, disconnect humans from their ghosts so that humans can live on this planet without the alien organisms following them around. 
Um, and so she tells Elizabeth, because you're a ghost, like you have this alien physiology, and so you can't get pregnant by a human. Um, and then tells Murphy, like, not only can she get pregnant, but you are going to impregnate her yeah. so that I can experiment on your baby. And he does it. He does it. He's like, cool. He, he totally does it. Let, yeah, let the me in there. you're making is the appropriate response. <laughs> so, so, so they're so captured. They're in jail or whatever. And then, like, the doctor, whose name I forget right now, like, lets them see each other. And then they have sex. And then Elizabeth gets pregnant, like, right away. So already we've got the, like, happy ending involves a baby. Because, mm-hmm. and, like, it was the last summer that we read this, so I don't remember exactly, but I feel like she wasn't even super upset about it when she found out. No, that's my whole thing about it, is she was, like, yeah. initially kind of a little bit upset, but it was basically, like, he was doing it to protect her. He was doing it because I think they were threatening her and told him, like, if you don't get her pregnant or something, then we're going to, like, dissect her. I don't really know. But mm-hmm. that was what it came down to. She was like, oh, I understand because you're trying to protect me. And same with the handcuffs thing. Like, she was a little bit mad. She thought it was stupid. But she wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as mad as she probably should have fucking been. Like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets her pregnant. And so she's pregnant for, I don't know, like, this, like, it half of the book. I don't remember exactly how, it, like, I how mean, far it happened. it's pretty near the end, I think. Because this book has it? a weird, like, half. I guess the book did. It had, like, a weird halfway where, like, the first mm-hmm. half is them in the city like doing normal things and them kind of falling in love and then the second half they go off on this adventure with these rebels and Mm -hmm. that's when they meet like the scientists and the stuff that are trying to figure out how to detach the aliens and the ghosts and stuff yeah so like all of that happens which is all madness and then like at the end of the book seriously the last page like the last conversation they have in the book is Murphy proposing and her saying yes yeah. And I heard saying like something like, oh, yes, of course. I love you so much. How could I say no? Or something yeah. stupid. We're like their happy ending is so she's already pregnant, which is one of two of Katie's <laughs> aforementioned requirements <laughs> of romance novels. Yeah. And then it ends with him proposing. So she's got it all. And that's my problem yeah. is that. <laughs> is that that's how this book treats it is like her end game like her one goal in life should just be to get married and have kids and that's such a terrible I mean it's not a terrible goal like people do that and that's fine I'm not upset that people get married I'm upset that that is apparently the only happy mm-hmm. ending for women in novels the end of the book the whole point is that uh, the humans can detach from the, the ghosts and I thought like how great would it have been if he did all this fucked up stuff and then she was like, you know what? The point of this whole thing is that I don't need to be with you anymore. Like I can walk away from this now and I will because you don't trust me and you don't think I'm an independent person like that. I feel like would have fit the whole kind of theme a lot better. I agree. I feel like that would have been a really good ending, especially because wasn't there another kind of semi love interest guy? Yeah, it was the ghost of the the ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. See, they both could have been like, you were mean, you were mean, like, peace out. We're going (laughs) to go get a cool cabin together or something. I don't know. (laughs) She didn't necessarily need to find another love interest, but I think that, I mean, it would have been cool to kind of wrap it up. But Mm -hmm. there are people in the world that would have been really mad about that because that's not the point of a romance novel. (laughs) Right. Which is so upsetting. So upsetting. Uh, well, anyway, now that we've ranted a lot about two different books, 
Uh, but probably end it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that being said, I do think we should get our romance book club up and running again. We I definitely think, should. It'd be fun. Leanne, you should join our romance book club. <laughs> I totally would. I love, I'm already down. This sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> yes, we'll definitely do it. And then that would give us such easy things to do for mm. my podcast every month. For a bitch pop every month, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we could just talk about our book club book. Mm. So we might have to do that. <laughs> I'm in. I, I love that idea. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, well, thank you both of you for being here and helping me rant about these books. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. Katie. Yeah, it was great to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. And thanks for listening in. Bye.